The views, information, and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the athlete. All eyes were on Lacey Baker at the 2013 X Games, one of the biggest events of the year for skateboarding. Everyone thought Lacey was going to win. And it meant a lot to her because the X Games were being held in her hometown, Los Angeles. I was like, I'm gonna win. I have to. The X Games were her nemesis, this monster on her back. The first year I skated X Games, I was 13 years old and I got the bronze. And so like everyone was just like expecting me to win the next year and then the next year and then the next year and the next year. And just like I never won. So there Lacey was at the top of a ramp dressed in all black, about to drop into a course with jumps the size of station wagons. She exhaled one last time and then started her run, swooping down the ramp and gaining speed. She landed her first trick and then got into a zone. It looked like her board was dancing under her feet. She weaved through the course with precision and intent. She landed everything she tried. Like so many tricks skated super fast, like I did the most. Tony Hawk is like, the one like announcing it on like the live webcast and is like, I think Lacey Baker probably finally did it. Like she's finally gonna win an X Games. I felt like I skated the best I'd ever skated. Her score launched her into first place, but she would have to wait for the rest of the field to skate. Then one skater topped her score. Lacey would have to settle for second place. Lacey had skated her best ever, but somehow it wasn't good enough. She started to search for an answer as to why she lost. And I think part of it had to do with the fact that like I didn't look feminine. That's just what my gut was telling me. Before the X Games, she had switched up her look. I kind of went back to being more masculine. I cut my hair and... You know, I went back to dressing more like a boy. Now Lacey felt like she wasn't only battling the competition, but also the sport's expectations of how a female skater should look. It wasn't the world she wanted. So she decided to create the one she did. How one athlete's refusal to change who she is ended up changing an entire sport. From Nike, this is the Phenom Effect, where athletes' stories progress beyond the field of play. You want to find Lacey Baker in New York? It's easy. Just take the L train to the Graham Avenue stop in Brooklyn. Get out, and then listen for the distinct sound of a skateboard gliding across concrete. I come to the skate park almost every single morning and just like try to skate for at least two hours. Sometimes I skate like for three or four hours just trying to like get the stuff on lock. Lacey rocks a sleeveless t-shirt with long black basketball shorts, shaved head, piercings, tattoos. She fits in perfectly at this skate park. It's a Williamsburg oasis filled with everything a skater could want. The A-frame manual pad looks really fun. 
remember being excited about that and like the banks and stuff and like the quarter pipes aren't too intimidating. Not for Lacey at least. She lands tricks a select few even attempt. It's called a switch 180 manual, backside 180 out. Confused? You should be. It's a totally unique language. You rotate the board in the air underneath you, right on just two wheels for a bit, and then rotate again before landing. Usually off a ledge. That is, if you can. Eventually it would be cool to like switch 180 manual backside flip out, but I need to like really get the, the basic part of it down first. Right, like there's anything basic about that. Lacey has been in the city for just under two years. She's still in the honeymoon phase, where the sounds, streets, skyscrapers, and people all elicit joy. The best part, though? No need for a car. You spend less time coordinating what you want to do and more time just, like, actually skating, which is, like, my favorite part about it. Of course, a skater loves New York. You're surrounded by pavement. And as she walks home after practicing, she notices things that take her back. When I was a kid, I remember when they repaved my street and the smell of the repaved street, it's linked to like being really excited for me because I remember like seeing them repave it and knowing that it's gonna be like the smoothest ground ever to skate on. I noticed they've been like working on the street out there. Like it brought back that memory of like skating and like being really young and excited about the smooth pavement. Lacey's childhood, however, wasn't always smooth. She spent her first couple years in foster care while her mom was in treatment for addiction. Lacey discovered skateboarding through her foster family while her mom got the help she needed. And I remember standing outside, like, as a kid, um, watching my foster brother skate a mini ramp and just, like, really being excited about that. Lacey was just a toddler at the time. I couldn't imagine what my two-year-old brain was thinking, like, except I want to be doing whatever that is. Like, it just looks super fun. By age three, Lacey and her skateboard were back with her mom. By age eight, Lacey was a full-blown California skate rat. She wore baggy boy clothes and baseball hats jammed over her long blonde hair. Her mom, Donna Baker, encouraged Lacey's passion and supported her dreams, as crazy as they seemed at the time. She's like, mommy, mommy, I know what I want to be when I grow up. I said, what, baby? What do you want to be? She goes, I want to be a professional skateboarder. I'm like, you go, girl. You got this. Although both mother and daughter admit there's a drawback to having a kid who loves to shred. I remember going through, like, a bunch of shoes and stuff. Oh, my gosh. Yes. I was, like, constantly trying to kickflip and so, like, wearing in holes into my shoes. I mean, I was working retail, like eight bucks an hour, and trying to keep the kid in shoes, and we would put cardboard and shoe goo and duct tape on my shoes so that I would stop ripping my socks. And it was tough. It was tough keeping her in shoes. Lacey would spend hours with the guys in her neighborhood just trying to perfect that kickflip. A trick where the board pops up and spins a full 360 degrees underneath you. It's the first major trick a young skater learns. I remember being outside trying to land a kickflip and I remember landing it and I was just like so, so excited and I like ran inside the house. I was like, mom, like I landed it. And she was like, cool. That one trick was the start of something big. 
and it gave Lacey the confidence to pursue her dream. She was shopping for new shoes for me for Christmas, new skate shoes that I really wanted. I was standing at the register and there were some flyers on the counter for skate lessons by Ryan Miller. Ryan Miller was a skater in the L.A. scene at the time. It was the early 2000s. She came to my first class. Uh, she was signed up for the beginner lessons. And immediately I just, I knew she was already too advanced to be in that beginner class. That made me feel so validated. I just know that he saw something in me. That's the part that's really special. I was blown away because she was maybe nine or 10 at the time, a tiny little thing, and super stylish already, just right out the gate. Ryan took Lacey under his wing, kind of like a big brother. He took her to various skate parks in L.A. And it was here, among other skaters, that Lacey felt most comfortable. I remember, like, being a, a tomboy, um, like, in school and stuff. And people would always ask, like, are you a tomboy? Or, like, what's, what's your deal? Or whatever, like, asking me about that. But when I was skating, nobody was like, oh, you're dressed like a boy or whatever. It was just like, I'm skating. I'm a skateboarder. And yet, at times, she felt like the odd one out. I just felt like I'm the only girl. The only girl skater in the world. She really thought that. Back then, it's not like she saw a girl skateboarder on a billboard, let alone a poster or even a picture in a magazine. The first female skater Lacey discovered was Alyssa Steamer, and even then, it was just her avatar in a popular video game, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. Like, I remember, I'm just like, it's just me and her. <laughs> this tiny list of fellow girl skaters grew to two when she discovered Alexis Sablone. I saw Alexis in a video when I was like 10, and I was like, whoa. But even though this list was terribly small, these two women allowed Lacey to know that such a life was possible. Watching them gave her hope that she too could be a pro. And sometimes that's all a kid needs to believe. So Lacey Baker kept on skating. And everywhere she went, people were transfixed by this young kid with master-level talent. Even one of her two idols, Alexis Sablone. The way she skates is really unique, really controlled, really technical, really, like, specific. You could show me a silhouette of her skating, and, and I would know who it was. Lacey's agent, Yulene Oliver, remembers the very first time she saw Lacey skate. In comparison to, like, a musician who is maybe playing a grand piano or playing an incredible piece on a violin, that's what her feet look like. There are just so many dozens of ways that this board could be flipping and turning and grinding a rail, and it's like having fingertips for feet. Even at that early age, Lacey skated in a way that made people shake their heads in disbelief. Her skating started to open doors. In 2005, she won the opportunity to compete in Australia, and that's where she encountered a completely different world. It was there where I met a bunch of other girl skateboarders, and I was, like, really blown away because I had no idea that there were other girl skateboarders. For the first time ever, she was surrounded by female skaters. Remember, this is way before Instagram, and it was harder to find your pack. It was really cool to be skating amongst just, like, a group of other girl skateboarders. And 
they were all just like so nice to me and really welcoming and kind. And I just felt like, like a sense of belonging. It was there in Australia that she connected with a group called the Girls Skate Network. And soon Lacey was starring in their skate videos, like this clip from 2005. Where are we at right now? Woodward West. <laughs> Lacey had finally found her people, and the next couple of years were great. She traveled to competitions, competed in X Games, and signed sponsorship deals. But as she went from prodigy to teenager, she started to feel pressure from the skate industry to dress more feminine. And if you watch Lacey's skate videos over the course of those years, you see one clear change. The baggy clothes get tighter. There's a ton of footage of me on the internet where I like, am wearing like low cut tank tops with like long hair and tight pants and stuff. Like you can like see cleavage. Her mom, Donna, says Lacey dressed like the skate industry wanted her to. They were trying to be more encouraging about wearing, like, the, um, the girls' pants and the girls' tops. And, and she did. And I have to say, she gave it a go. She really did. But to see her at a contest pulling her shirt down and her pants up and everything, it was all about pulling and tugging. It just wasn't Lacey. There was a time where we took her down to Huntington Beach to do a photo shoot. And I think they took, like, 4,000 photos, and there was like five that they could use because she was wearing clothes she didn't want to wear. I remember that specific moment and just being like, God, you guys will like stop at nothing to like try to get me to like wear girl clothes. It wasn't about the skating anymore. It's about what I look like and what I'm wearing. And like, am I looking like a girl? I don't want to look like a girl. Lacey discovered that being a girl in the skate industry was about more than just your skill. I could feel them like wanting me to be more feminine and present more feminine just for the simple fact that it's, like, more marketable. Lacey felt like she was being forced to make a choice, to be authentic or be fake. And faced with these options, Lacey decided to do something radical, to align her outer self with her inner self. I just was, like, looking in the mirror, and I was, like, just, like, shaved it right down the middle. I was like, Lacey shaved her head, and she loved it. It's the most comfortable and most cost-effective. Don't need to, like, get haircuts or, like, buy hair product or shampoo or any of that stuff. I feel like it's the best haircut for me. But while it felt good for her, she started to see the impact it had on her career. In skateboarding, your appearance and your personal style matter. I was seeing success around me for those who present like more feminine or who are genuinely that is who they are is more feminine and like I'm not, so I don't get what they get. Alexis Sablone saw what was happening to Lacey too. Some other girls are maybe getting like opportunities or more money and she still wasn't. And I was just looking for a, a new board sponsor and I couldn't, nobody, like I couldn't find one. It even spilled over into skate competitions. There were definitely contests where, you know, it seemed like for sure Lacey won, and then she didn't. There was a financial cost to all of this. She was one of the greatest skateboarders in the world. 
but she still had to work a nine-to-five, clocking in and clocking out at a graphic design firm. It was almost like skating didn't want her. While no major board company wanted to sign her, she joined a small, all-women skateboarding collective called Meow. The company was started in 2012 at a time where most of the top girls weren't getting any support from the industry. Lisa Whitaker runs Meow out of her garage in L.A. Actually, when I started the company, I told her she wasn't allowed to ride for it. I told her, you know, of course, I would love to have you on the team. I mean, you're one of my best friends, but you're not allowed to. Like, I want something bigger and better for you. And this is how Lisa recalls Lacey's response. You know what? I don't care. Like, I want to be a part of this. Like, I want to be a part of something. Her style translated perfectly at Meow. The company gave her an opportunity to be her authentic self. Lisa let Lacey create her own skateboard designs, and Lacey did not disappoint. She drew from her graphic design background to create boards with cat prints, classic candies, and rose stencils across their base. This kind of representation matters. Just like young basketball players can rock Jordans, now young skater girls can ride a Lacey Baker board. So Lacey was starting to put it all together. She had her own style, she had her own board, but there was just one thing still digging at her, that annoying monster she just couldn't vanquish. The X Games. X Games 2014 brought so much pressure for Lacey, but she sailed through the prelims and made it into the finals. Here's how the finals work. Each skater gets two attempts at the course, highest score wins. And since she was up against some of the best skaters in the world, Lacey would have to skate a nearly perfect run just to beat them. And with the level of tricks she had planned to attempt, that would be tough. But Lacey walked into the arena that year with a calm confidence. So I was really like committed to just like doing my best and being as strong as I could. Her mom was there too. Just talking to her that weekend, just the determination that she had, I just knew there was something different about this contest. Lacey surveyed the course. She had a path mapped out. And when she dropped in, it felt less like a competition and more like a solo. Her board moved with balletic precision, spinning, flipping, and sliding. Her friends like Ryan Miller watched with excitement. She's busting, she's, she's doing it, she's, you know? And she knew, like she was stoked. Like, I was like, oh, okay, Th yeah, this, this has to be the one. Even her hero and now fellow competitor, Alexis Sablone, watched in awe. With that run in Austin, I think she it was like a new kind of focus. And, you know, she landed every trick. Once again, Lacey finished her run and waited for her scores. Again, she was in first place. And again, she had to watch to see if one of her competitors could top her score. It seemed like forever. But when the final skater of the day fell, Lacey knew she was the champion. She did it. She killed the beast. Her competitors ran over and hoisted her up in the air. 
I mean, as a as someone that competes against her, it's like obviously you want yourself to win, you hope it all goes right. But I remember actually being just like really happy for her that day because it was like about time. And then to be there with all the fans in the stands, like everybody was screaming for her. It was amazing. Lacey had this huge smile across her face, the epitome of pure joy. It just felt like finally, like thank God, you know. That win seemed to unlock something in Lacey, like a higher level she didn't even know she had. She went on to win back-to-back world championships, signed a deal with Nike. She was able to quit her day job and move to New York to pursue skateboarding full-time. It's at this point when her agent, Eulene Oliver, asked Lacey what she now wanted her skating career to look like. You know, if she could wave a magic wand. And as it turns out, Lacey was thinking way beyond skating. She said, well, I'd like to take part in transforming the global conversation around gender and empowerment and connection. This fall, if you walk down 34th Street in New York, near Madison Square Garden, you can see Lacey on a giant LCD billboard. It shows her as her true self, in a beanie and baggy pants, soaring through the air with her board. Across the billboard, it reads, you don't have to change who you are to change your world. You know, trust your gut and like, you know, like really empower yourself to make decisions for you based on what what makes you feel the most authentic and like what's important to you. A new world is finally starting to grow within skating. And a lot of it is due to Lacey Baker, an athlete who refuses to be anyone other than herself. Next week, pro surfer Carissa Moore. I just knew that, like, surfing shouldn't make me this unhappy. (laughs) Like, I was contemplating giving up and walking away, and I know that I don't give up. I'm a fighter. Carissa Moore on how she battled her self-doubt to unlock her true potential. The Phenom Effect is a production of Nike. You can find the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe and let us know what you think by leaving a review. If you like Lacey's story, keep up with her on Instagram at dashlacey-baker. This episode was produced by Bradley Campbell with help from producers Megan Kinane, Emily Foreman, James Green, and Rachel Ward. Research by Andrew Helms and editing help by Renita Jablonski. Abby Ruzika is our senior producer. Andrea B. Scott is our editor. Mix and sound design by Zach Schmidt, with additional mixing by Keegan Zemma and Sam Baer. Special thanks to Daniel Pritchard. Our theme music is by Claus. Executive creative direction by Amber Rushton. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.